Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Forum Club Podcast. I'm Bill Oram, joined by the very real Jovan Buha. Jovan, you got your proof of identification there uh, to get to get us started today? Uh, I'm writing it down on a piece of paper right now. Okay, that is uh, J-O-V-E-N, Jovan. It's actually with a Y. <laughs> God. All right, if you don't know what we are alluding to, um, your life is better for it. Um, and you probably want to know what we think about what's going on with the Lakers after a... Uh, a big time loss to the Jazz Monday night at Staples. Yovan, we've got fans back in the building, but maybe even more important than that, not even maybe, uh, all signs are pointing toward Anthony Davis getting back on the court, maybe as early as Thursday, kind of starting um, getting the Lakers back closer to being whole. You know, shortly after AD, we expect LeBron, and then, you know, got a little bit of time left to ramp up for the playoffs, and then and then the postseason is here. Um what are you looking forward to with the rest of this week? Lakers go out, go on the road. They played. Uh, they played at Dallas. Kind of, what's your overall state of uh, state of the Lakers in your mind? I'm just excited to see AD play uh, on Thursday or Saturday or, or whenever he comes back. Um, and I, I know we touched on this a little bit last week, uh, but I'm I'm really interested in the the fit with Andre Drummond. Um, you know, I, I think that. Ultimately, we're probably going to see AD at the five in the most crucial moments of the playoffs. That'll probably be the closing lineup. But I do think in you know adding Andre Drummond, you know clearly he is a a big part of what the Lakers are trying to do. Um, you know for for better or worse, and he's the starting center. He's going to play you know twenty plus minutes a night most likely, and some of those minutes are going to come with AD. And I think a, a key difference that we've seen. Uh, sometimes uh, it's not been fun to watch, but like he is not the JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard lob threat. He is not that vertical presence, and, and he's not a guy who necessarily just hangs out in the dunker spot uh, or, or is just kind of roaming around off the ball. Um, he is someone who is involved in the pick and roll. He, he's involved in the elbow actions. He's involved in, in post-ups, and you know I, I think it's probably more involved than some of the other centers that AD's played with in LA. So I do think there will be some type of adjustment period on the offensive end. Defensively, I think it'll be great. We've seen AD next to seven footers before. That, that has worked well. Um, and, and Omer Yeah. <laughs> Drummond has impressed me on the defensive end, you know, more so, honestly, than the offensive end. So I think that'll, that'll be fine. And, um, but that, that, to me, is, is of interest. Also, just seeing what AD with this team without LeBron is going to look like because – we haven't really seen that. You know, anytime AD's been out, Le- LeBron has, has pretty much been there except for this stretch. Uh, but but LeBron hasn't really missed time with AD in LA. So I, I just wonder what, you know, is that New Orleans 2.0? Is there an evolution to AD's game? Is there an evolution to the way Frank uses him? Uh, so th- these are kind of the questions I- I'm looking for. But also just what state is AD in? How long is it going to take for him to get back to 100% or close to it? You know, how bad is his conditioning after missing two plus months? Um, th- these are kind of the, the 
running thoughts going through my head right now. Are we talking 15 Anthony Davis minutes? Hello. What? Yeah. Anthony Slater doesn't even say hello. He just drops in. He just picks up like he was here all along. He wasn't here all along. Anthony Slater, welcome into the Forum Club. I heard most of that, Yovan. Answer? Hello. How's everybody doing? How's it? How is it down in Lakerland? It's in, sh- it's in shambles. <laughs> yeah. I'm like very with friends following like some like just outrageous controversy that seems to be going on. I might need some details from you guys on or off the air. Your choice. Um, but for now, my question is, is Anthony Davis walking back into like what didn't I hear like 15 minutes per yeah, like yeah, he's star? Not, he's not playing coming? a lot. Yeah. Frank Vogel has talked about this being, you know, a ramp up where he's going to be on a pretty a pretty strict minutes restriction um, to, to start. And this kind of gets to the, the, the thing that I'm writing about that. The Lakers only have 14 games left in the regular season. And so you've got to, in in that time, you have to build up Anthony Davis's uh, conditioning and his rhythm. Uh, You have to get him back up to, you know, full minutes, which is like 35 minutes. Uh, You have to get LeBron James back and you have to get his conditioning up. You have to get your two superstars comfortable with a new starting center. And you need to, and you need to sort out this, this big man rotation that seems to be getting more muddled by the day. Am I crazy? Doesn't that seem like a lot to have to figure out in 14 games? Yes, but you could figure stuff out in the first round if you get the right matchup. The Lakers might get a scary matchup, but I mean, it is a lot to figure out. Particularly I to me it's the big man. It's just it's all it's all in that center spot, which is which as Jovan said, it is it's Davis's conditioning and his just his defensive oomph because I thought that wasn't even there before he got injured this season, just like his defensive presence. It's Drummond's comfortability in a situation he's never been in, which is a winning situation next to all stars in the front court. Although we did play with Blake Griffin, maybe looking at that uh can be informative to, to Drummond. And then it's just it's it's Gasol and, and Harrell behind and, and just how how all that fits and what are your guys' opinion of, of where that is going. In Jovan- and I were talking about this, you know, as we chat and, you know, this this podcast does tend to just end up being um, kind of a, a glimpse at the things that we talk about at games and, and things like that. You saw that Montrez Harrell is not particularly effective in the matchup against the Jazz. And maybe that's a little different if you have Anthony Davis there to handle, um, you know, handle some of, you know, the, the Rudy responsibilities and to pull Rudy out um, of the paint offensively. But but to me, Trez is going to be problematic in a Jazz matchup, and that at this point is the likely second-round matchup. The likely first-round matchup is the Denver Nuggets, and that is obviously the history has shown not a good matchup for for Montrez Harrell. Uh, we saw it with the Clippers; he was unplayable. So, is Montrez Harrell going to be playable in the first two rounds of the playoffs if it's Denver then Utah? And what's his state of mind going to be if he um, doesn't play in those two series or doesn't play a big role in those two series? And then you get to, let's say, the Clippers in the conference finals. If you're lucky enough to get to the Clippers in the conference finals, um, you know, where is and, and Johan, you you are kind of the um, the Montrez Harrell armchair uh, psychologist here. How would he respond to that sort of situation? Because we've seen that Frank Vogel is not shy about about benching guys who played big minutes in the regular season to get the matchups right in the postseason. I had heard with, with the Clippers that a a ancillary factor in the lack of benching of, of Montrez Harrell last postseason was the fear that he would not take it well. And, um, you know, I, I think he, he had even more cachet with the Clippers than he does currently with the Lakers. You know, he was the reigning six, you know, just one six man of the year, uh, had in, you know, w- was one of the faces of the team and, um, you know, really behind Kawhi and PG might have been, uh, you know, the, the most beloved Clipper, you know, just kind of right there with, with Lou Williams or, or Pat Free Beverly. Free agent, and, too. 
Yeah, so th- there's a lot of factors there that I think might not apply necessarily to Lakers. I also think, uh, you know, th- there was, like, Doc Rivers had played Montrezl Harrell in the fourth quarter and, and you know, 25-plus minutes every night all season, so it wasn't necessarily rare to see him do that again, where Frank Vogel has obviously, you know, a night like last night, Trez only plays 13 minutes because Frank Vogel didn't like the matchup, and he, he kind of benched him in the second half. So I, I think Frank, with, with his history with, with JaVale and Dwight last year, with what we've seen this year, he is willing to play to the matchup and, and play the guys that should be playing and, and not necessarily, um, you know, bend the knee to a player just because it, it might they might be a little sensitive to the situation. Uh, but, I, I mean, Montrezl Harrell did not sign with the Lakers to not play. So I, I think that it's going to be a little bit of a tricky situation if they end up playing Denver and Utah as it looks like they're going to. Uh, you know, but but as I brought it up to you last night, I think the, the mystery in all this is it, it's interesting to me that, you know, it, it's one thing to say, okay, Andre Drummond is this 27-year-old two-time All-Star you know, maybe he's a little overrated, and I think we've seen some of that offensively. But he's the 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 prize of the buyout market. We're going to promise him a starting spot. What, 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 you know, when he becomes available, okay, you, you do that. You, you sign Drummond. He's the starter. But I don't see why it shouldn't be a competition between Marcus Ole and Montrezl Harrell for the backup spot because I do not. I don't think Montrezl Harrell has been better than Marcus Ole this season. I I think it should be a matchup by matchup thing. We've seen that at times this season where. Frank has gone to Mark to close some games. He's gone to Trez to close some games. He's benched both of them at different times. Like, I don't see why all of a sudden Mark went from just being the starting center to the third string center who just never plays. And they've said the injury stuff, and and maybe that's part of it a little bit recently, but I don't fully buy that either. And I just don't. So that, that, that I guess, is to kind of bring it full circle is like that does give me some pause where maybe there is some stuff with Trez where, you know, they're afraid to bench him. They're afraid to make him the third string center. And maybe that trickles into the postseason. But I do think when it comes down to it, the Lakers are going to have to make some tough decisions with him and other guys in the rotation where you just can't play 13 guys. You know, they're going to play eight or nine and there's going to be four or five guys who are pissed off. And I think there's a decent chance Trez is one of them. So the the Gasol thing is interesting because we've all kind of accepted that Gasol is deep bench, you know, cheerleader, assistant coach in uniform, uh, uh, basically going forward um, with the Drummond acquisition. But... Um, Frank said it. He sees this matchup, this one specifically, the matchup against the Jazz, as one where he would have gone to Mark Gasol if he wasn't dealing with a hamstring thing. And you know, this is a situation where you hear, "Oh, Mark's going to be out, or he's going to be, you know, he's going to be only an emergency center um, because he's dealing with a hamstring thing." And you're like, "Okay, does he really have a hamstring thing, or are we protecting him as a um, as a veteran, uh, a respected veteran, a future Hall of Famer? Uh, are we protecting him?" from just calling it what it is, which is a benching. And so I thought that that was an interesting test case, really, because Frank said that, um, you know, that that's a matchup where he could see himself going to Mark. So that, to me, was sort of kind of the, I don't know, like one one, one of the little revelations of last night. And also, I guess I need to pull this up, but Frank's comment last night about about kind of the the Montrez... uh, uh, minutes and and sort of you know the big man rotation I thought was interesting. Give me one second. He said we're evolving as a team and we're working new guys in and the roles are changing slightly. Well, what does that, what does that mean? What does what does that mean for Montrez? Does it does that mean that his role is changing to becoming a 13 15 minute a night guy? 
Because if so, I mean, like I just like you said, Jovan, that's not what he signed up for, and that's and that's fine. You know, they've got. I mean, he's obviously here. He's here to win. But you know, they also he also has a player option at the end of the year. Um, you know, they're probably not going to be able to replace his offense at least for nine million dollars. Um, the whole it's all it's all interesting. I I don't know. I just I I think that getting Drummond, while an absolute no brainer. Like and I, I I don't think that there's anything to criticize. If you have the opportunity to get Andre Drummond, um, you go do it. But the ripple effects of that have really complicated things for Frank Vogel going forward. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yovan, can I ask you a question? Um, so, you know, Harold, the Denver matchup, you guys have mentioned a couple times because that's, I think, is that the, that's the 4 5 at this current stage yeah, yeah, as yeah. we're speaking. Um, how much of Harold's, I mean, obviously it's known like Jokic killed him in that series. How much of that was Jokic? How much of it was the Jokic Jamal Murray two man game? Because, you know, Jamal Murray very sadly tore his ACL and will be out and it that probably makes Denver the most appealing potential first match first round matchup for the Lakers and do you think Harrell can maybe survive a bit better if it's there's no Jamal Murray out there it's kind of like a pick and roll two-man game operator yeah no that, that was definitely a factor um I I still think you know ultimately if you look at uh just I think the film on Trez some of the synergy numbers on Trez um the two areas he struggles the most are containing the pick and roll. Um, I think against elite ball handlers, score types, um, and in post up defense. And those are the two areas that the Nuggets just relentlessly targeted him in were Nikola Jokic post ups and the Jokic Murray two man game. So the Jokic Murray two man game isn't going to be there, it's going to be a different version of that. Uh, be it, the Austin you know, Rivers Jokic yeah. two-man game. <laughs> the the Monty Morris uh, Jokic, you know. So uh, Compazzo, uh, that guy's fun to watch. But like, so it's it's going to be a different version of that. But the, the post up is still there. I, I do think he can get away with with playing against Denver against some of those like Jermichael Green at the five lineups. Um, like he, he probably holds his a, own that's there. That's a Clippers bash fest right there. Yeah, but <laughs> I could feel that. Jim Michael Green, he killed him in practice back in the day. It's a two-way street where you know Denver was, um, you know, targeting Trez in terms of like you know they'd bench Jokic, um, uh, Plumlee would come in, Trez would come in, you know, Doc would try to match uh, Trez with Plumlee. And then a couple minutes later, they'd put Jokic back in and then Trez would stay in. And, and that's kind of how you get some of those matchups. So it's not just like you can try to move Trez's minutes around, but Denver is going to, Denver had success targeting him last postseason. I would assume that would be part of their strategy if they played each other again. 
And it's not as simple as just saying, okay, well, when Jokic is out, put him in. Like, maybe you do play that cat and mouse game and you're constantly benching him anytime Jokic comes back in. But I just think it's a problem that they're going to have to face, whether it's Denver, whether it's Utah. Like, teams are going to go at Trez. And then last night, you know, I think this is something Bill and I have talked about. Like, you know, look at Trez's recent numbers. Like, on the road trip, he only had one game with over 10 points. And Montrez Harrell, like, his primary value to you, like, yes, there's some energy, there's offensive rebounding, there's the charge taking, there's all those elements, but it really is another score. And if he's not scoring, he is not as valuable as Marcus Gasol. Like Marcus Gasol is a better defender, passer, shooter, floor spacer. Like Marcus Gasol brings a, a much more versatile skill set than Montrezl Harrell. So Trez has been on like in this rut for a couple weeks now where he has not been as effective offensively. He's getting blocked seemingly two to three times a game. He, he was blocked twice last night in just kind of embarrassing fashion where Rudy Gobert just stuck his arm up, didn't even jump, and just swatted it down. And it was like, I, I just think, he, I don't know if he's tired. I, I don't know what's going on, but this version of Trez is not effective. And and this is a version that, to me, I think should be playing behind Marcus Gasol. And, and I've been saying that for kind of a week now, and I, I don't think anything I've seen over the, the, the past few games has changed that. So it is going to be interesting to see kind of how this plays out over the next few weeks because I do think this is important, and it doesn't matter. Unless they just go drum in 80 at the five, and that's the center rotation, and you know maybe this doesn't matter at all. It's just tough to throw that big of a burden on on AD to expect him to have a full playoffs at the five. You know, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Hey, we'll know a lot more a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, right before the playoffs. Just like how his ramp up is going, how he's looking, what his minute totals are. But you know, expecting him to play. You know, first of all, he never has liked to play bulk five minutes, as we know, and, and, and this is a state. But he has always said in the playoffs it's different. Like, he just doesn't want to do it over 82 games in the yeah. regular season. And and listen, maybe you don't want to do it for five games just to dispatch a shorthanded Denver team in the first round, and you don't want to do it, you know, if, if you get a more favorable matchup along the way. But, like, when when the rubber meets the road, I mean, you saw it, but, you know, in – you know, in the um, in the finals. I mean, he started Game Six of the finals at center. You know, when when it when it matters, that's he understands that's where he is most lethal with this team. The one thing I'd say about Harold, though, is and I remember at the time, me and Bill would talk about it, and I know Yovan when you started on the Lakers beat, it was one of the things that you that you were hitting on, but. Harold signing in theory was also because the thought that Davis could protect them defensively and they could pair together and there was probably not another player in the league front court player in the league that would help Montrez Harold's strengths you know come out while masking his weaknesses than Davis because what Davis could do is a versatile interior defender he could guard the bigs if you want to he could guard faster fours and he's going to block shots and he's just he's going to be Anthony Davis defensively which at his peak is a defensive player of the year Anthony Davis wasn't that good of a defender early on in the season and then has missed however long now you know you guys could tell me how many games but Montrezl Harrell has not really had the chance to play next to defensive player of the year Anthony Davis so if that guy does reemerge maybe Harrell becomes more playable because that's the that's the front court match that that we all thought would be dangerous right yeah and and one thing that I think would have to change and you know at some point in the season is I think when they play together Trez basically has to be the four and AD has to be the five, um, like functionally, uh, because I, I've used this reference or I've referenced this this um, kind of sequence a, a couple times on this podcast. But 
they had that game earlier in the season against Portland, and, and Portland is a team they, they might face in the first round, depending on, on how the, the seeding plays out, um, where Portland just attacked Trez in the pick and roll, and uh, AD was just hiding in the corner on Robert Covington away from the action, and it was Trez guarding Nurkic, and Dame and Nurkic did their two-man game, which is really, really effective if you don't know how to defend it, and they were just picking apart Dennis and Trez. And at no point did the Lakers think to, or, or maybe they thought it, but they just didn't do it, to switch AD onto Nurkic and put Trez in the corner on Covington. And and maybe that, you know, Portland goes to Covington as a screener, but I'd rather have Robert Covington screening for Dame Lillard than Yusuf Nurkic, who's run a thousand plus pick and rolls with him. So I, I think, you know, and, and Frank has even talked about that. Also, then Nurkic is, is clogging the lane. You know, Nurkic isn't spacing the floor to the corner exactly. of Covington. Yeah. And and Frank has alluded to that in in the potential, you know, the, the theoretical Gasol-Trez pairing, which we just have not, never seen. You know, the, what, three weeks ago, Frank said we were going to see that, and, and we haven't seen it since. Um, that he was like, you know, Trez is more the four defensively, Mark is the five, and then offensively it's reversed. And, like, I think you could do that with AD, like AD can space the floor. He can play more on the perimeter, put Trez inside. And then defensively, AD's the rim protector. He's guarding the center. Trez is guarding the four. Because when Trez is your last line of defense, we've seen that movie before. It does not work out well. You know, he'll occasionally get a block. He'll occasionally get a charge. But the other eight out of 10 times, it's a layup. It's a foul, you know, it's or a high percentage shot. Uh, so I think... For the Lakers to be at their best, I, you know, it's going to be a lot of this matchup base. But I, I do think they got to figure out a more effective way to use Trez. And, and I think to your point, like they, they haven't really been able to do that yet. When will LeBron resurface? That was my next question as well. I have a guess, but I, I don't, I don't know. My guess would be that he's back. Um, you know, the six-week mark has, has kind of floated That's around. That's a typical kind of high injury. ankle sprain. It is, you know, and the fact that, you know, Woj kind of pushed that timeline again a week or two ago would indicate that he's sort of on track. And Frank, he said essentially that, like, LeBron's been doing light work at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like he's, like, ramping up, you know, to, you know, back up to, to full gear. But another week and a half that they'll be on the road. Then they come back. Is it May 2nd, I think, that they play the Raptors at home? Like, that sort of seems like a, a good spot that gives you exactly 10 games to ramp up for the playoffs. Like, 10 games to me seems about right to kind of get into your rhythm and flow. Use the first few to get your conditioning up and then the rest of them to get your rhythm right. Still, that's a big ask. I think that's a lot for anybody, especially, you know, again, LeBron, not human, but a 36-year-old, you know, guy of his size, you know, to have to turn it back up. I mean, we've only seen LeBron really come back from an injury once. And it was in that 2018-19 season, his first year with the Lakers when he tore his groin against the Warriors. And, you know, he wasn't great when he came back. Now, you can make the case that, I think he missed like 20 games with that one, but you could make the case, obviously, I think it's valid that that was a that was such a different circumstance where, if anything, they were fighting to barely make the playoffs and get trounced by, I guess, the Nuggets that year in the first round. It's a different set of stakes than it will be this year when you're talking about a championship. So LeBron's going to come back, you know, wanting to be LeBron, but... How much time does it take for him to get back up to full speed with the ankle sprain? I don't know. I just think that these last 10, 15 games are going to be a really uh, important laboratory for the Lakers. And one other thing we haven't talked about, uh, but came up last night, thanks to Kyle Kuzma, was he sort of you know planted the bomb of you know not knowing what the closing lineup looks like you know because they haven't had their full complement of players since they added Andre Drummond and so you don't really have a sense of 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 how Frank Vogel is going to close and it's entirely possible 
that they won't have enough opportunities in the regular season to figure that out. And so you can say, sure, you know, they can do that in the first round. The first round is still a matchup they should win. But Denver's not going to be a total pushover without Jamal Murray. I don't think that they're a contender without Jamal Murray. But if you don't have your shit in the pile and you show up and you're still trying to figure things out, I mean, Denver's a team that will take advantage of that. And we don't know what's going to be Denver. It could be, you know, it could be the club. I feel pretty strongly. I mean, like, I mean, Yovan, I mean, t- t- where are you at on this? Like, I mean, the Lakers currently, as of Tuesday morning, have a two-game lead on Portland uh, for five. And, and Portland has been pretty mediocre I mean, bordering on, on bad. I mean, they lose to good teams. Um, and Portland, but Portland has a two-game lead on Dallas. Dallas looks pretty locked into that play-in. And then there's a two-and-a-half game gap between the Lakers and, and Denver. And so, like, I with 14 games to go, that feels play. pretty – that's a lot of shuffling that would need to happen in the last, in the last you know, month so, of the season. Portland's cratering. And I think Portland might uh, – if I had to guess right now, and I'm, and I'm doing this – because I've been looking at it from a Warriors perspective in the play-in, but I actually think Portland's going to drop in the play-in. I think Dallas is rising. Portland's schedule's really hard. They have a negative net rating. Did you see our mm-hmm. Jason Quick story about Der- Terry Stotts' like, tenuous yep. job security? Head? You know, I just mm-hmm. don't think that Portland situation's going that well. So I think Dallas is a danger to kind of jump into the mix that we're talking about. But that doesn't affect that doesn't affect the 4-5, yeah. though, to your point. I can see well, Denver at 20 losses kind of gives them a little cushion, but if Denver has a bad finish, maybe Maybe they drop to six. Maybe Dallas can go up to five, and then that's the four or five. I don't know. There's just not that much time. There's only 72 games in the season. It's most likely Denver, LA. You're right. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I thought post-Murray injury that the Lakers had a decent shot to jump up to four and that Denver might free fall. But I'm looking at their schedule right now, and it's pretty easy. Um, Like, they, they got... Detroit and Minnesota and Charlotte and uh, Toronto and New Orleans and like Houston and I just Golden State like I I just think there, there's like they're gonna go at least 500 at a minute well I guess 500 would probably drop them but I, I think they're gonna have a decent record like we, we still don't really know what what's go, like I mean they're three and zero since Murray's injury for for what it's worth um, with, with wins over Miami Houston and Memphis so I I don't know but I I think. It is probably four or five Denver, LA in some order. Uh, you know, most likely you'd say Denver four, Lakers five. The points you guys just made, like I'd rather play Portland if I'm the Lakers at this point. Um, you know, that that's the team that I no think question. realistically, I, I think the Lakers have four, you know, potential options. It's Clippers, Denver, Portland, Dallas. And of those four, I'd rather play Portland. Uh, but it looks like Denver uh, again. Um, I mean, that's an interesting series. I, I think Jokic with the level he's at right now can can still win them a game um you know like i think that could be a five game series but i think it would be a nice uh way for the lakers to kind of ease in because i don't think they have to necessarily deal with elite guard play uh which you know i, th- I think their, their strength obviously is the front court uh where you know i think they'll go strength for strength with denver but 
Um, I think some of the, the perimeter stuff is where they might run into some trouble, and, and that would be later in the playoffs. Agreed. Are you guys going to uh, detail this Lakers Twitter drama? Do we have on to? On the air to me or off the air? It's your choice. You're going to have to. It's. I, I want a very quick explanation, but if you would, if the you would like to talk. The succinct explanation it, is that the internet is bad. The internet is bad. <laughs> the, I just, the, the cat, you remember the show Catfish? Like that always, uh, that was an interesting show. It's like an interesting introduction to the um complications that the internet um the many complications that the internet would provide as we uh, as it advanced but if you guys want to tell me off the air i just want to like just get a like what's going on why is it such a big deal i i, I didn't really see the specifics i saw kevin durant was involved that's when i was like wait what's going on here but anyway anything else before you guys detail it to me off air sorry this is moving backwards which i try not to do but on the subject of uh on you know kind of the lakers path i mean it still feels possible that phoenix could could get the one seed which would change which would change your which would change your uh your matchups going forward because that would be uh the suns in the second round instead of the jazz it would set up uh would set up uh jazz clippers in the second round yeah utah's only one loss up on phoenix and donovan mitchell's gonna miss at least a few games with an ankle sprain that still looks like a team that's gonna keep winning games i know i guess they look at their schedule but phoenix is scaring me a little bit they look really good yeah i mean yeah they do um i don't know i don't know i feel like this this jazz schedule is freaking cake rockets wolves wolves kings they play phoenix which is going to be important toronto and listen a lot of these games are going to be at vivian smart home arena so (laughs) there it is there's my one drop how do you spell that (laughs) it's an e and a yeah man what a world Uh, what a time to be alive my one thing is that um i've been thinking about this a little bit lately and i actually wonder if like does this all like we've been talking about the downside a lot with the Lakers of the lack of continuity, chemistry, um, just not getting the reps with, with you know LeBron and AD and, and some of the the new pieces and, and even some of the old pieces that have been playing better. Um, is there a chance that like this actually ends up really benefiting them and, and they just come out like like you have, I'm guessing the first few games are going to be rusty. They're going to need some acclimation, but like come playoff time, like I think there's an argument to be made. LeBron and AD are getting some rest right now, which other stars that played deep into the bubble didn't really get or, or were forced into also as well from, from injuries or COVID or whatever. But like, I mean, we're going to have a situation where LeBron and AD missed a combined 60 plus games. And yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you, you lose out on all that chemistry and, and stuff. But on the other hand, like these guys have been able to rest their bodies where they're coming off of, you know, 70, what, 71 days uh, between the bubble and, and the you know opening night, like, is there a case that this actually helps them a lot and, and they're maybe more rested than any other team, at, at least from a star perspective? I'll tell you how this works, Yovan. Whatever it. happens, we will tell the story uh, after. You know, after if they if they lose and, and stumble in the second round, we'll go, man, you know, they're rusty. Uh, but if they go on to win the title, you guys will be writing plenty of stories. The whole world will be about like why the the break, the mental and physical break they got in the middle of the season was exactly perfect for the Lakers title push. It's just how it works. Yeah, it, there's no way to know, and like it, it will the the narrative will be will be built to fit kind of what happens, I guess. But like I think yes, there is a version where that happens. LeBron James is has saved a ton of miles on his body here. But at the same time, you know, how much conditioning has he been able to do 
you know, when you're dealing with a high ankle sprain and the whole, and the whole point is getting that thing right. Like that, that, like what is the, what is kind of the, the balance of healing versus kind of ramping back up. And so, you know, he's, he talked a year ago, right? If you go back to during the bubble, he said the hardest thing is getting his body back up to speed. You know, that, that's the hardest part about being old, you know, 36 being old in basketball years. So how does that apply to this situation? Because he wouldn't say that now. You know, like he, he wouldn't come out and say, well, the hardest part's going to be getting myself back up to speed because I'm old. But he said it, you know, during the shutdown over COVID because it was a different situation. But we have to also, you know, take what he said seriously. And so to me, you know, just expect dropping him back in after a six week hiatus is is not necessarily, um, you know, a guarantee that he's going to be the LeBron we saw you know, as of March 20th. All right, guys, we're going to sign off here on the Forum Club. I'm Bill Oram. Thank you for listening. Uh, for Jovan Buha, Anthony Slater, who joined late but still brought the fire, we will talk to you next week.